Hello, welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Waima. Today, I'm with Alexei Karapatov. Did I say that right? Uh, almost. <laughs> Maybe I'll let you go ahead and introduce your, your yourself. Um, but you're the uh, creator, maintainer, guru, overall god over uh, CIDR, right? Which is a tool to help keep a changelog for your projects. Yeah, thanks for uh, for having me. Yeah, CIDR is a very simple tool that I made for myself when I started uh, doing Dart packages. Well, probably I should speak a bit about uh, my my experience and my my background. So I well, it's also good to talk about Dart packages. Wait a minute, this is flying high with Flutter, right? I mean, you're doing Dart only things. Yeah, yeah. So I am not. Uh, your typical Flutter developer, uh, and I, in fact, I almost have no experience with the the mobile apps at all whatsoever. So Dart was a uh, language uh, suggested by one of my friends just just to try it out because uh, at, at that time he looked at it and he thought it's a it's a nice language. So uh, again, going back to my background, I've uh, I've been in, in in software development for like twenty years now, and uh, 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 the beginning of uh, my career and, and basically how the that that kind of big world of software development started for me uh, was from PHP. And Alan, I think I've seen somewhere that you also have some experience writing in that language, and to uh well to to put it uh in a kind of in a soft language uh, php is probably not the best programming language to start with to to uh, i mean to to learn how to how to program with and uh so uh i've been uh doing a lot of uh, software development for fun just for myself as a kind of meditation uh, I can say, and uh, yeah, it happened that in in the beginning of my journey, I used PHP a lot, and and mostly PHP. And obviously, it had its uh, drawbacks. So I think like a three or more, maybe four years ago, a friend of mine suggested uh, trying Dart. Uh, at that point, I think. Dart 2 was announced, if I'm not mistaken. So I tried it and I, I liked the language because it gave me all the uh, all the ecosystem, all the tools that I would need to start right ahead, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that this is not still not the very common feature of a language that it would uh, give you say the the packaging system out of the box right uh, together with the uh, package repository so these uh, these nice features of dart were p pretty appealing to me so uh, so I, I I started writing at it uh, and at that point I was uh, uh, like one of my uh, largest, again, for fun projects was a library for JSON API. So JSON API is uh, is basically a standard for 
client-server interaction in, in JSON. And uh, I used that uh, format before. And uh, again, with, with PHP, I wasn't able to find a, a good implementation. I wrote one myself and I was supporting it. It was getting some some use from other folks on the internet. So I, I decided to re-implement JSON API models, first of all, in Dart, because it obviously Dart at that point offered much more pleasant support for like modeling things, like being being strictly typed and easy to understand. That was a, a, a good choice for such kind of thing. So when I started writing that package, again, speaking of Dart's ecosystem, uh, one of the things that uh, Dart package and a tooling mandates is change lock. And it's been like that from the, at least from the very beginning, from, from my beginning with Dart for, for at least like three years, I guess. So again, being familiar with the open sourcing in general, uh, I, at that point I'd been, uh, using change log in the format suggested by the site named keepachangelog.com. And that was the only format that I was familiar with. I mean, obviously you can write change log in any way you want, but that uh, keep a change log suggested uh, a, a standard. And I typically, I like following the standards. It's better when uh, you know what you want to do. It's it's, it's better when the, the, the task is kind of clearly defined before you start doing that. So uh, one of the features of uh, the keep a change log format was the uh, links to the diffs. So like if, if we look at the uh, keep a change log standard, so when every release as its version and the version is uh, like the version has the link to the source control side, whatever GitHub, whatever you're, you're using. Like that link is basically the diff link between the this version and the previous version. So when you click on, on the link, you can see in the code what's, uh, what's added or, or removed in this particular version. And uh, when you have several versions of your package, it becomes kind of tedious to do all the links uh, yourself manually, right? So I I tried uh, finding a, a tool for that that would support change log and would be able to uh, add those diff links for me automatically, but I, I failed. I, I think at that point there were no tools like that. So naturally I decided to write one myself. Interestingly, to do that, I had to, to fulfill uh, a few more artificial needs. Uh, I, I had to parse the change log and I had to render it back in, in, in Markdown. Uh, obviously there were no, uh, no packages, no libraries for, for parsing change log for, for working with it and uh, for, for markdown rendering. So uh, besides CIDR, which is the topic for today, 
uh, I also have two packages. One is named change, and that is essentially a model that supports the keep a change log format that would give you a nice breakdown of the releases you have. It would sort the releases by the versions. It would uh, be able to, like you would be able to traverse the change log to see the, the versions themselves, the links, the changes that basically are included in, in a release. Again, the change the changes are 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 broken into different types specified by keep a change log. So that is if if you you work uh, you work with uh, the change log in the keep a change log format, that might be something that uh, you might be interested in. And the other thing is markdown. So markdown as it's implemented in the Dart packages, uh, goes kind of the opposite way. The Markdown package, like the one that's the most popular on pop.dev, uh, does the opposite thing. It can read Markdown, it parses it into HTML DOM, but the, the other way around, there were no, no libraries to do that. So I had to implement my own, since the change log, if, if you want to change the change log, you have to render the markdown back. So basically th that's, that's the, the essence of uh, the CIDR package. It allows you to automatically do those links and bump the version in the, in the pop spec. All right, that's quite, quite interesting. I mean, was it, I still didn't quite understand, like, wh why spend all the effort to create a tool like this? There must be other languages and things like that that can create this kind of tool that maybe are agnostic, right? Um, you know, why did you decide to create this in Dart and not just rely upon others? Very good question, and I don't have the answer for it. Uh, I, as I said, the the reason I do, I make packages is just for fun as, as a way of, of, of a meditation, basically. So there was no reason for that, apart from just trying out a, a new nice language and building something that might be used by someone else. You know, when, at least in my experience, when I was like young and aspiring software engineer, when I was like, when I would look at uh, some, well-established framework or a, a tool that I would use. I always wanted to build something like that myself and, and to be that, that guy who uh, say invented or, or created that, that cool framework. Uh, apparently building a framework is not easy. So <laughs> I was not very successful in that, but I was able to build a, a, a few uh, nice small tools that some of them seem to be uh, usable and useful. So I'm, I'm glad I have that. So yeah, answering your question, no particular reason apart from just, just having fun. 
Okay. Yeah. And and I was kind of going through uh, the package. First of all, let's, let's talk about the name Cider, right? And that doesn't immediately come to my mind that this would be for helping developers to keep a change log. Uh, I do see that it is an acronym. Now, did the name come first or the acronym came first? Uh, I was, I was thinking about the name for something that does CICD and it was hard to, to come up with something interesting. Cider was the first thing that that I thought of. So yeah, cider it be. And the the logo, that picture that you see on on on, on pop.dev is done by my daughter. So that's just just a just a nice name. Uh some I needed something that starts with CI and and has the and has the C D in the name. So just just that. Okay. Uh obviously we're looking at the logo you have the name uh, cider, you have an apple, which I guess is related to apple cider, but then there's a bunch of gears. Is that just trying to relate to engineering or is there anything else besides the, the gears that has a meaning? Yeah, this is supposed to be like to, to mean tooling or like, the, Hey, this is a tool. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. Um, now the other thing that, that comes to mind is going through, um, the, like how to use it. I did notice that it, it does look for a pub uh the was it the pubspec.yaml? Yeah. So it's uh, it's a CLI application. You install it through the regular pub global activate and it provides just one binary named cider. So before we talk we talk about the the usage we we probably should say a few words about the configuration. The configuration is not uh, too complex. So what you want to configure, again, this is all comes from the fact that it's using the keep a change log as a format that has uh, the links to the diffs. And uh, to configure, uh, like to for, for CIDR to be able to build you the diff link, it needs to know the link template. So the link template is uh, the main configuration setting that you have. The configuration for CIDR is, is stored in the pub spec itself. I am not sure if that's the, the recommended way for uh, a package tool to store the configuration in, in pub spec, but neither found any uh, recommendations against it. So I, I, I think that's, that's what it is. Uh, so you would configure the, the diff link. And obviously if you're just starting a new package uh, for the very first version, there would be no diff link because there is nothing to compare with. Uh, you would use another, another template that's called tag. And uh, again, according to uh, keep a change log format, the very first version also has a link. But that, that link is, is special. It's not a diff. It's just a, a link to this the particular tag. One of the things that keep a change log kind of implies is that every version, every release that you have must have a corresponding tag in your in, in Git or whatever system you're using. So yeah, this these two things are the configuration. Now the Binary is supposed to be run from either either the project root or any folder within the, 
the project growth. So basically when you're working with a package, your console is usually at the project root or sometimes in, in one of the uh, subfolders. And this is where uh, you can write the run cider from. Uh, if, if it's run from the, pro well, regardless of where, where it's uh, called from, it would try to find the pubspec.yaml uh, starting from the, the current directory and going up the the file system tree until it finds the pub the pub spec yaml which and and the the directory where it, it finds it it will consider it the project root. There are two kind of major things, major tasks that CIDR does. One is it allows to add a new line to the change log from the command line. This is probably, again, an artificial need. Uh, it's usually uh, easy to add one, one yourself. There is nothing special in editing the markdown uh, file in your IDE. But on the other hand, if you're, say, again, let's look at how uh, keep a change log is organized. Uh, Every release version must be, I think, header two, like header level two of, of Markdown. And under each release, you are, you are supposed to have the sections, which break the changes down to the, to, to the specific types of the changes, which can be like added feature, uh, a fixed bug, a removed feature, a change, and probably something else. Uh, yeah, like security change. So these type headers, the the ones that uh, separate the changes into the the blocks of of the specific type, those have to be as far as I remember uh, an H three. So basically, what I'm uh, getting to is it is relatively easy to screw up the formatting, and it will not be exactly the change log form the the keep a change log format not a big deal again uh, but if you have to read that change log back programmatically it's better to keep the format consistent and we do need to keep it back uh, to read it back because when you so first thing is you can add the, the changes from the command line right uh, the keep a change log format suggests that uh, if you're working on a new version, all the changes that are being added go to the special section on top of the uh, change log, which is called unreleased. And when the release happens, you replace that unreleased header with the released version and the link to the diff and the date of the release. So when you have those changes added to the unreleased section, the next step is to bump the project version and convert the unreleased section into the real release, right? To do that, if you already have some versions published before, uh, you would need to know how to build the diff link because you, you need to know the previous version to build the diff from. And again, it's not very hard to do manually, but uh, 
Cider would do that for you. And like to be honest, that that was the the main reason I, I built it because it was kind of tedious to build those diff links uh, myself. So in order to know the previous version, Cider needs to parse the change log back, read all the existing versions, sort them, and then find the one that precedes the new version. And uh, one of the features that I don't think it's it's announced on on the in the README, Cider supports having multiple major versions simultaneously. So say you can work on version two and version three, and if you if you release say 3.1.2, it will be smart enough to figure out that the previous version for the 3.1.2 should start with three. It should also be the uh, three major, uh, the major version of three and not major version of two. So yeah, two main things, adding changes, uh, bumping the project version, uh, and then making the release. Speaking of bumping the version, again, it's not too hard to open the bobspec.yaml, look at your current version, figure out which, uh, which digit to increment. Uh, but Cider can help you there. Uh, like usually the changes can be divided into three main types. Uh, if you have uh, a BC breaking change that breaks the the backward compatibility, that is usually the bump of the major version. And if the major version is zero, as far as I'm not mistaken, uh, you should bump the minor version according to uh, what's it called to the semantic versioning, right? So. Cider can do that for you. You can just say Cider bump breaking and it will increment the whatever number needs to be incremented. And it will set the rest of the version uh, to zeros. Like say, if you have version 2.1.2 and you are releasing a new BC breaking version, it will increment it to 3.0.0. So the major version would uh, get uh, get incremented from two to three and the rest of the numbers will be set to zero automatically. The next category of changes would be the adding new features and that usually goes as, as a new minor version. Again, Cider can do that for you. Uh, you just do Cider bump minor and it will increment the minor version. The same goes for patch and relatively, uh, uh, like not, not too long ago, I have added uh, support for, uh, was it for the builds and the pre-release part of the version. So you can, you can say bump the minor version and the, the build version as well. So it's, it it supports uh i understand <laughs> that the the real flutter devs they usually support like uh this uh sophisticated versioning they need that the sophisticated versioning with uh uh builds and, and pre-releases carefully crafted so uh, cider does that as well 
that's basically it. That's that's what we have. Adding changes, bumping versions, and doing the release, which basically up updates the uh, the change log and converts the unreleased section to a regular release. Okay, that's that's pretty pretty powerful. Now, I mean, the reason I brought about the pub spec, right, is because I can imagine uh, wanting to use this kind of tool in other projects that are maybe not Dart, right? Is this actually able to be done? Or like maybe some features I can use, some I cannot? Um, this is a good question. So Cider is built specifically for Dart and it, it reads the current version from the pub spec. It does not understand any other source of uh, the version. So uh, as as it is now, no, it's not a universal tool. It's it's Dart it's it's Dart specific, but uh, it's kind of easy to make a universal one. Uh, again, Cider itself does not carry much of that uh, parsing rendering logic. The change log is manipulated through the change package, which is which is universal as far as uh, as far as you uh, as long as you follow the keep a change log format. So yeah, that's that can be done, but not not with with cider as it as it is. Now, is there plans to actually do that? I mean, you are a, a Dart developer. I thought that would make you more kind of open to um, kind of being more agnostic, right? Rather than sticking only with Dart. It may make sense to uh, to build a universal tool for the change log. I have not thought about that yet, but yeah, probably we... we we first would need to look at the existing tools for that. And to be honest, the whole idea of uh, programmatic manipulation with with the change log is is a bit unusual, artificial, right? It's it's uh, it it automates a, a relatively simple task, which probably people can can do themselves. Um, but yeah, it's a good question. I I have not thought about that yet. Uh, maybe maybe we should do that. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, how long has this kind of tool been out for in terms of like really being usable and what has been the community response? It's been there for about three years, I believe. Uh, it, it was one of the first things that I built, I think. Let, let me see it. That, that's a good question. Two years, a little bit over two years at this point. I I do want to support it to to continue supporting it. I recently refactored it, uh, so my original intention was to make it kind of extensible with with plugins. Uh, so my first attempt to implement those kind of plugin support was made was made uh, with uh, dependency injection slash service locator pattern, which I don't really like. Uh, so I, I refactored it recently again, just for the sake of writing some some code and, and, and trying to make it as, 
as nice as possible. I still don't don't think it's um, it's extensible, but I for for me considering uh, my work with with cider, I think that that would be the top priority for now to bring this support for pluggable extensions to it, and I I hope that will allow the users to um, use it more in a more flexible way. I mean, it, to, what kind of extensions would people actually be able to do to this tool? Would it be maybe the changing the format of the changelog or may, we kind of talked a little bit about extending that to more languages? Like what kind of extensions are you looking for people to hook into? Yeah, one of the feature requests that I seen recently was about supporting uh, what's the name for that? So it's like a conventional commit messages or something like that. So basically, when when you commit and you change, you you uh, in in the commit message you you specify the type of the change, whether it's a breaking change, a new feature, or a fix, and then whatever uh, build tool you have would analyze your commit logs and convert into the change log. So. That functionality can easily be implemented as a plugin, I think, and that would be a perfect candidate for that. Again, the idea, the, the, the spirit of the keep a change log format, which I started from, was to not blindly convert the git log messages into the change log. The change log is supposed to be more like manually crafted and, and written by people for people. So I'm not sure if that's something that is, that would be a really valuable feature. But as, as a candidate for a plugin, yeah, that would be probably a, a good one to try. Yeah, I'm also thinking it would be nice to have something maybe that would generate different types of mediums, maybe Mobi or PDF or I don't know, who who knows, right? I can imagine people wanting a changelog and something else. But I guess since you're doing changelog with Markdown, basically you could just take the Markdown file, right? And then just pick that into something else. Yeah. And actually, like if um, when you do a release, when you convert the unreleased section into a uh, full-fledged release with its version... Uh, Cider would print out the markdown contents of that 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 particular uh, block, that particular release, and some people use it to. Uh, so you you know, on GitHub when you do release when you tag a new release, it allows you to add a markdown description that would be shown in the releases pages on on your uh, project. So some people use that exactly for that purpose. So when you uh, cut a new release, uh, it would automatically put that description on GitHub that's usable. But again, the changelog parsing and rendering is not kind of CIDR specific. It's it's not CIDR. It's these two packages, which can pretty much be used on their own. They don't have any any dependencies. Like they don't depend on Dart.io, they, they just, very very simple rendering parsing just working with strings basically nothing else okay and that makes sense yeah i mean i i think overall it's a it's it is a pretty nice tool i like the pretty easy to install you don't need to actually like kind of add it necessarily to your project and then run pub install it just 
kind of a global install. So that's it's quite nice. The way to use it is pretty straightforward, I think, too, with, with kind of adding things. And then you can cut a release. And it can definitely automate uh, quite a bit. I mean, you do use the word CI, right? But I mean, adding commit messages in, in CI wouldn't necessarily, like, you know, adding those changes in a CI wouldn't really make sense. But cutting the release using that tool would make sense, right? Yeah, this is a release automation thing. It's when, uh, say, when, when you know that, that you're ready. Ideally, how it's supposed to work is it would be part of, uh, say, I'm, I'm using GitHub. I'm, I'm using GitHub Actions, right? And uh, when you are ready to make a new release, uh, the only thing that you would do is to just create a new tag. And then the, uh, the action handler can use CIDR to get that tag, convert it to the release to bump the version in the, in the pub spec to update the change log and, and, and do all, all that, that things basically. So the big idea of, uh, CIDR was to automate this process. If you have a bunch of packages and you release them, uh, on regular cadence and as I understand, uh, nowadays people tend to release as, as fast as possible, like as soon as possible. Once you have a change, you basically do, do a new release. You don't wait for a bunch of them to accumulate before releasing things, at least for like small projects like Cider itself. That's what I do. So if you release often working with uh, change log and doing this, these updates can be a bit boring. So Cider is, is, is designed to automate this part of, of the work. It's, it's a release tool, one off they release tools that you would use. Interestingly enough, I mean, it seems to be helpful to other folks. I think this is the second most popular package of the ones that I support. The, the most popular is, is JSON path, but JSON path, uh, it's, it's at 99% popularity right now, but I, this, this is not, it's kind of natural popularity. It's because the JSON path is used by, uh, Flutterflow as part of their application building tool. And it's baked in the applications that you build with, with Flutterflow. Uh, Cider on the other hand, does not have, uh, other reason to like to have this, this popularity numbers apart from being actually useful. So I hope it, it will continue to be useful and I, I, I intend to work on it more. Okay. That, that kind of brings me to my next question. Like what is the upcoming features that you want to be adding into, into this? Because I mean, at a, at a general, like, look, it's like, okay, can you add those changes? Can you add specific types of changes? You know, can you cut releases? Like what else is kind of on the horizon for this, this tool? My first attempt uh, to make it pluggable uh, failed miserably. So I, I want to, to try again and uh, figure out something more, uh, more usable and hopefully easy, e easier to understand. One of the things that I don't kind of, I can't yet put my finger on exactly is the, how you build 
a good architected, uh, a well-architected CLI tool? Like where, where does the separation of concerns lie? Where, uh, how do you make it testable and extensible in terms of like, okay, I want to add a new feature and that, that means I need to add a new command. And what would be a, a good example of uh, a good CLI application with a good architecture? CIDR is currently built uh, with, uh, it's using ARGS under the hood. Uh, ARGS is a, is a great package, is a great library, but one thing I don't exactly like about it is the commands and the command runner uh, both are stateful and I wish there was a more kind of stateless, immutable-ish oriented uh, framework for building CLI applications. So this is one one thing that bothers me a bit. So I might want to uh, venture into reinventing the the wheel and and building a, a CLI CLI framework, CLI application framework of some sort. But that's that's a big thing. That's a big task. So yeah, that would. That would be probably the, the most interesting things for, for me at this point. Okay. Yeah. That, I, I don't think I have more questions about specifically about CIDR because I think it seems pretty clear overall. Is there anything else about CIDR that you want people to know about that we didn't get a chance to cover? I would appreciate feedback about it. And I would, uh, I would like to know what's, what's missing, like wh where where the, the pain points are for the ones who may want to extend it, who uh, say, if, if you have a particular feature in mind and you want CIDR to support it, what keeps you back from uh, implementing it on your own? So I, my, my intention is to, to build it as flexible as possible, to make CIDR as flexible as possible. So I, uh, I would appreciate this kind of feedback. That's talking about CIDR. Uh, other than that, there is uh, another package that I would like people to know about. That's the JSON path library. Uh, again, it's one of the, the projects I did for fun just because uh, Dart did not have any JSON path support at that point. I think I started about year and a half ago it's being used by but but mostly by folks in in flutterflow so that that what gives it this crazy popularity numbers i don't think it's uh getting much kind of naturally acquired attention again would would appreciate feedback about that that library as well as, as someone who does open sourcing just as, as, a, as a relaxation, uh, I, I focus on the code quality and the internal design of the app. So I would really appreciate feedback there. This, it's, it's this constant search for the ideal, the perfect implementation of, of a feature of, or of, of an idea. So I would love to discuss this, these things with anyone. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. I think we all would like to have some feedback because you're kind of coding and people using it, but you're not really sure if you 
coded something the best way or the most suitable way, right? Yeah, yeah. It's there's a lot of software nowadays, and it's hard to get it criticized to get feedback about the implementation itself. Yeah, the features are are obvious. You can judge a, a package by by looking at at what it provides, at at, at what it gives. But for me, as a, as a as this kind of leisure time developer, I find the the beauty of the coding inside the code itself. Not 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 that much in the features. Not not that much in the API it provides, but in, in in the implementation itself. So I, uh, I would be happy to chat about that. Okay, that, that's good. I think it's a admiral thing to to look for from uh, from the audience to see if somebody can check out the package and give some some thoughts. I know Dart.dev has a lot of kind of tips and guidelines about what they consider to be kind of the the proper way to do Dart. You've ever gone through that before? Yeah, that's another really good feature of Dart as as uh, as an ecosystem is the the pub points that it assigns to the package and the the pretty strict guidelines, the built-in formatting for the code. I really appreciate how the the developers thought about this these controversial things and provided the the tools for like for for formatting for the change log for package quality assurance up front okay yeah i mean uh i don't have any other questions on my side uh but in terms of this project but i have one question as somebody who's doing mostly dart um my i don't know if you've listened to some of the other previous episodes my kind of not mm, one of the things i've been thinking about is I don't know if I can say it's a criticism necessarily, but more of an observation and a curiosity if this is the right thing to do or not. Uh, pretty much, if you're writing Flutter, you're definitely doing Dart. If you're doing Dart, you may not actually be doing Flutter, but mostly about 99% of the time, I guess, at this point, that is true, right? Sure. And I have stated my criticism about not being on board where Dart and Flutter release at the same time with their new releases. But that's kind of the path that they've chosen. Do you have any thoughts on that? Where kind of like Dart and Flutter, when they both have a big release, they will release at the same time. Uh, do you think that's the right thing to do? Or do you think that it doesn't really matter? Do you have any thoughts on that? As someone who doesn't do Flutter, it's it's hard for me to judge whether that's a good thing or not. My understanding that the initial intention for Dart, uh, well, well, maybe not not the initial. Not, I'm not talking at, about the times where it was supposed to be a replacement for uh, JavaScript. Uh, it's more about like the Dart 2 part of its uh, history. At, at some point, it was positioned as um, general purpose language. I think they recently changed the description into was it client-oriented language or something. Uh, so for... For me, like my my background is is mostly backend development, like backend distributed system, this kind of stuff. And uh, I, as this for fun software engineer, uh, I appreciate that Dart is sort of independent from Flutter. So I I understand your your frustration with 
features of the language not being used in in the framework maybe or like discrepancies between the architectures here and there but i appreciate that dart seems to be relatively independent at this point so see i'm uh, as as much as i feel your pain for for me personally i find it a a good thing you find it good that they're bundled together that they get released about the same the same time basically not even about they are released at the same time i don't really like care if 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 they're released at the same time i i see the the evolution of of dart as as a language and i i like it do you see that that the dependency between dart dart releases or like major dart releases and uh flutter releases i'm i'm probably not not uh have the i don't have the the whole picture not not enough context to to judge yeah i i I also don't really have any like serious things to point out my concern is just that uh i would like to keep dart as its own thing uh of course when you install flutter obviously you need dart uh i like that they're they kind of come together when you go to install flutter but um kind of coupling them uh in the same release time makes me worry that you have kind of this this kind of ruby on rails issue um do you, do you know what I mean by that? No, no. Can you expand on that? So I did Ruby on Rails for many, many years. And of course, obviously, if you do Ruby, uh, it doesn't mean, you know, sorry, if, if you, of course you do Rails, you're going to do Ruby, but still like, um, how do I say? They always had the stigma that if you weren't doing Rails or something with those kind of famous Ruby frameworks, then you wouldn't really ever be t- touching Ruby to begin with. Um, of course, there's other projects like Puppet and other things like that that are also using Ruby. But my concern is that, you know, I would like to keep the language uh, strong as possible and to kind of like make sure that we're not saying, okay, I would only use Dart if we're doing Flutter. You know, like Dart really is a language that people would consider for other things, right? If you bundle it, yeah, if you bundle it together. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's my big concern is that, you know, we're we're not going to have it that, okay, Dart is only used for Flutter, right? And so if you start to always kind of comp- release them together, you may get perception and you may also like give people the feeling that maybe Dart is not strong enough to be on its own. It used to be that the Dart uh, that it was able to download and install Dart separately. I am not sure how things are. I believe it's still done that way. So if you, if you go to the Dart dev, yeah, the the get Dart page still allows you to use the language standalone. Uh, yeah, it it's it's bundled with with Flutter, but even if it's bundled, I think it's it, sh- it shouldn't be too hard to install whatever version of Dart, whatever f- uh, flavor of it, and and use it with Flutter. In uh, bundling Dart together with Flutter, I don't see a big issue it seems to be a natural uh, like a, a, a good choice like if if you're downloading the framework uh, why would you download it without the language the language is bundled with it so it yeah well I mean bundling it together with the with with the framework is not a problem for me I think that's totally fine and that's actually 
uh, good and I promote that part. But just releasing new versions of Dart alongside the same exact time you're releasing new versions of Flutter, there's two concerns that pop in my mind. One is that you're going to have this perception that, uh, as I said before, oh, Dart's not a, a language you can use by itself because, you know, I mean, look at this. They're, they're, they're tightly coupled with Flutter. Even though, of course, you can use it separately. You and I both know that. I don't know what other people think, right? If you always see both of these things come out at the same time, you may have that opinion. Now, the other thing, too, is... Um, I forgot my other thing I had in my head. I had one more thing in my head uh, about this bundling issue. But I think the perception is, is, is could be something more powerful than, than maybe uh, other people may think it is. Perception's huge, right? If you, look, if you go to a website and it looks like crap, even though it may be the best website for you to use for whatever, whatever that purpose is, if it looks like crap, you're going to have a perception that the website's not going to be useful or good enough. You know, so it has to have a strong UI, strong UX, blah, blah, blah. But if your perception is not there, then you're going to have a hard time to believe it. I might be out of, like, a bit out of context here. Has it been a thing for a while now that they release uh, both Dart and Flutter at the same time? Yeah, it's been for the last couple of releases. They've been doing this on on time. And I think... May and I don't know. I again, I, I'm I have concerns. And you're but, sure this yeah. is not a coincidence? No, it's not a coincidence. I'm surprised you think it's a coincidence, but um, I, I actually talked to a couple of people about this on the podcast before. No, no, no full disclosure. Yeah. I'm you have no idea, right? As I said, I'm I'm no flutter dev. Yeah, I, I think maybe because it's the strongest framework we have in Dart language itself, you know, using Dart, that I guess it makes sense. And you don't want to be able to say be running flutter and then. All of a sudden, the Dart version you have globally, which may different, may be different, is different. Then you may have some compatibility issues. Maybe they're trying to do it like that. Oh, I see. I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a valid concern. Yeah. Yeah, that may be why they do it. Uh, but I do know that they do release them at the same time, and it is intentional. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Dart itself seems, still seems to be uh, being kind of promoted as, as a general purpose language. They're still uh, they're still saying it's uh, you can compile stuff uh, like natively on different architectures and it's supposed to be used as a backend for uh, your mobile app. So I hope this entanglement between the language and the framework will not let the multi-purposeness uh, of the language go away. Yeah. Because it's a nice language. And it's, uh, it's, it's really sad that we don't yet have, uh, say, support for like major databases apart from Postgres. Like, but it's, it's, it's getting there, I think. Yeah. I, would, I would love to work on a backend project using Dart. I think it's a nice language. In in my my personal rating, it's uh, it's second to Kotlin. Kotlin is the best. Kotlin, Kotlin is the best. Yeah, yeah. Interesting to me. It's not that I I've worked with a lot of languages, but from what I've worked uh, with, Kotlin seems to be the, the the most pleasant one to work. Like it's as as a language. I'm not talking about the java whole world right it's just just the the language itself 
Now, why would you choose uh, Kotlin as as what you're saying, kind of the most the, the best language that you've used? Well, it's super concise. It supports uh, immutability out of the box. It supports function carrying and uh, all, all these nice things. Like writing writing DSLs in Kotlin is, is a blessing. It's 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 so nice, so so cool. Yeah. So Kotlin to me is is the, and and I. I'm I'm glad to see Dart acquiring some some features close to what Kotlin offers. Yeah, like the um, the question mark at the end. I forgot what that's called. The uh, yeah, the null safety. Sorry, the null safety. Yeah, the null safety. Yeah, yeah. The the, the pattern matching is nice. I I wish Dart had uh, immutability. I wish the like lists and maps were not built as as they are built right now. Uh, it, it would be really nice to have that that separation between like a, say a list view interface or map view interface, and then uh, a mutable map and, and mutable list. That that would be that would be really nice. Like Kotlin did it the right way. Probably that would be featuring Dart four. No, well, we'll see. I think they're going. I think I see languages going more and more functional nowadays. So it, I wouldn't put it past it. Dart. It probably would be a Dart four kind of thing because at least I'm talking about immutability because that's a really big change, and still a lot of developers don't really know how that works. And I mean, with packages like Freeze, obviously it makes it easier, but it does take quite a bit of time to get up to it, and people don't really understand it at first so it takes time yeah but there you have to to have that build system that would that would uh, like all that code generation overhead and and stuff like that so again pro maybe uh for the client side development maybe immutability is not that big of a thing uh maybe the like working with the scaffolding and all these kind of things is easier and uh, uh, kind of feel feels more more natural with with the mutable things. Uh, I, I I'm not sure about that, so I I I, I won't judge. Okay, but it, it would be it would be nice to to have support for immutables. There is a, a package with immutable structures, like build build from ground up i think yeah there is like the 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 scala way uh and as far as i remember they claim it to be uh quite fast quite performant so probably i i should just try that but again that would be another dependency yeah okay well i mean we definitely reached the end of our time and uh i just want to thank you for coming on and talking about cider uh i like the tool i i i, I am pretty inspired to maybe start to use that because quite a few times I release things and I have to explain to people what the what the difference was and so it probably would be better if I did something like this rather than you know not doing this right thank you thank you for having me it was a great experience uh and uh yeah I I wish you uh good luck with the podcast I I watched a few episodes I I liked it so we'll continue watching Thank you. Well, I'm glad I got one more one more audience member. So oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> You've earned at least one subscriber. Great.
that you did you did subscribe right i did should be like subscribe share right sure sure yeah (laughs) that that, that's mantra all right well again thank you for coming on maybe we'll have you back on again in the future thank you